Welcome into the Bad Fan. Did Nottingham Forest come up with the biggest upset of the Premier League this season? Or is this, this the new Liverpool we should come to expect under Jurgen Klopp? And a manager makes his return to the Premier League. And of course, plenty of VAR controversy as usual. All of this today on the Bad Fan. Your journey begins right now. Welcome into the Bad Fan. I'm your host, Cole Carter, and I am glad to have you in today, as well as my partner in crime. You can see him. His name is Brandon Patesnick. What's up, man? How are you? Anything on the horizon coming up for you? I'm doing really well. A uh, couple things, I guess. I am coming back to Atlanta for a whopping two weeks. I'm currently on a on a detail where I can work from home, so it just works. Thanksgiving is happening. Um, and then after my detail, it actually ends on December 2nd. I'm going to be going to New York. New Whoa, York. Yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah, I'm still planning it all, but it's going to be really fun. I'm really excited. What's going on with you? Uh, had a busy week. Um, been working on some stuff. I don't know. I'm just sort of in the midst of a lot of photo work and different things going on in life. I don't know. Um, got to see some family, which is always positive like that. Mm-hmm. And excited to talk about some sports in particular, the Premier League. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's crazy. We're in World Series season. Uh, we just had the matchup reveal between the Astros and the Phillies. I don't know how many people are going to watch it because the Phillies were not the team that everyone expected to come from the National League. So I'm sure they will be happy in the Northeast, but um, the Trash Trows are back in it. And it's sort of a you know two evils especially as Braves fans you know who do we root for um i guess the nl east so we can beat the astros again um, yeah i don't I was know gonna say, speaking of evil i don't know if you saw this sort of funny stat but every time um a philadelphia baseball team has won one or gone to i think won the world series we were immediately hit with a recession um <laughs> i don't think that has to do with, with each other but it's just a funny thing that i saw on the internet i mean who's to say Maybe the phillies are evil <laughs> they might be evil the baseball gods might have some bad omen or i don't know what it is but you know those two things just may go hand in hand and people need to start battening down the hatches um <laughs> but you know that's okay uh we'll get started with our premier league review and really i mean Coming into the weekend, not a whole lot, I don't think, was expected from it. Sort of unassuming, uh, but hey, there was a lot that came from it. We'll begin with that matchup we alluded to in the preview. Nottingham Forest and Liverpool, uh, they played up in Nottingham Forest, and this one ended 1-0 in favor of the Reds. And Brandon, what's the biggest takeaway that you had from Liverpool on this game? Yeah, and not the reds that you would think. <laughs> the trees, the red the trees. trees. Um, I don't know if they go by that, but um, what an upset, man! I is this is this is again why the Premier League is still is one of the best league. It, I mean, it is the best league in the world. Um, Nottingham Forest has not looked great this year. Um, still trying to find their footing, you know. I'll remind everyone that they bought a whole new team. 24 players. Yeah. So, of course, it's going to take some betting in time. But, yeah, I there's a lot to take away. And it was a fair game. And I think Nottingham Forest could have scored maybe another as well. Um, it was definitely an earned result, which you, which you hardly see people, you know, 
people that are fighting up, I guess I'll say, you know, get these results. And it's usually like a scrappy one nil or two nil or two one, whatever. No, Nottingham Forest earned this win. And I don't know. I have a lot of questions coming, coming off the back of this game. Uh, for me, the biggest point that I'll make is that Liverpool lost to a guy wearing a baseball hat. Um, <laughs> uh, Dean Henderson is the one keeper I know of that consistently when it's sunny out, isn't afraid to pull out the baseball hat <laughs> to keep the sun out of his eyes. And just for me, I've played soccer with a lot of people that you know put the backwards hat on the frontwards hat. On. I'm just like, oh my gosh, are we really, are we really doing this right now? <laughs> um, so it's funny to see it happening in the Premier League, but Dean Henderson was not going to let any balls pass him. I mean, he oh. had an incredible display and two of them that probably should have been put away by Virgil van Dyke, right? Yeah, I, I think... You know, usually I think this year we've been criticizing Van Dyke for his defensive play, which rightly so he has been off. Um, but he's such a good header of the ball. He should have put at least one of those in. Um, yeah, maybe it's just an off day again for him. But I'm, I'm starting to see a pattern with this Liverpool team. Um, just the inconsistent play overall. It's really... I don't know. It sort of gets in, into our question. I guess I'll ask it. What what does this result say? You know, is it more of an encouragement for Forest, like in, in their fight to stay up this year, or is it doom and despair for Liverpool? Because you know, we sort of been questioning uh, Liverpool this whole season thus far, and we're just like, they don't look good at all. And but for Forest, I feel like I'm the only one that has hope that they'll stay up, and I don't. I still, they, they'll probably go down, but like, this is a statement win that they can build their season off of. So uh, I'll, I'll leave it there and just get your thoughts. The result and the celebrations, all that felt a lot like that Everton game last season where they stayed up and the crowd just didn't want to leave. Um, you know, the <laughs> chanting, the singing, the players sticking yeah. on the field, clapping, everything had that same kind of feel and atmosphere to it. Um, Steve Cooper, right? The manager. Yeah. I don't think this will change the outlook of their season, you know, as far as being realistic and, you know, just saying objectively, like, hey, your team hasn't looked that great. And it has a lot of climbing to do to reach the levels of, you know, staying promoted. Um, so for me, I think it's a lot more of the doom and gloom of Liverpool. Uh, they have not looked at all like themselves. There's no consistency amongst the forwards. Um I mean, it's just like we don't know where Mo Salah has gone. We don't know if you've seen Moon Knight, if his powers have been taken away by some Egyptian gods. I don't know what has happened to Mo Salah. Uh, but he has not looked like the golden boot winner of years past. So, uh, yeah, Van Dyke, the first the first missed header, I'll give whatever some leeway to him. Maybe he was just trying to pass the ball across the face of goal, hoping someone could tap it and head it in themselves. Maybe, but the, the two of them, one of them has to be buried. Um, no excuses to not score on the day. And as I said, Dean Henderson, he improved and um, kept the ball at the back of the net. But yeah, Jurgen Klopp has a lot of uh, questions to answer, I think, defensively. Um, Trent is not always starting games. He's in and out of the lineup. Uh, Van Dyke is not looking like the $80 million man he was. I guess Andy Robertson's the only guy that's somewhat playing as himself, but 
again, just, I don't know what, what the answer is for you. Where are you landing in this debate between, is it uh, doom and gloom for Liverpool or is it optimism, optimism for Nottingham? I, I, Liverpool can always turn it around, I think, but well, they can turn it around in the top four race, maybe not the title race anymore, right? No, no, they're out of the title race. Um, but they've they proved with their win over Man City, like they can get results against the top six. They're still arguably a top six team. I, I think, I mean, they're out of the running for the the title, but they might be out of the running for top four. Uh, maybe not this early, but. There's other teams are becoming consistent and are going to solidify themselves. Man United, Chelsea, like we're going to get into a little bit later. Um, Tottenham's a big question mark right now. So a big, uh, it's, it's a slight question mark, but they're still playing consistent, right? There's a, like a range of consist- consistency for Tottenham. And then you think about Arsenal, who was outside of the top four last year. They look unreal, uh, even though they slipped up this weekend. Um and Man City. I mean, it's where does Liverpool go? Liverpool has looked the worst out of all of them by far. And I just, I think it's doom and despair. I think it's doom and gloom. I think they're going to have to get used to this. And there's going to be some changes at the in the football club, um, not with a coach, wow. but I think this winter there there's going to be like two incomings. They need a top class midfielder. On, on a deal, like $40 million deal, and something to replace Sadio Mane. Something. Um, you can go get Gakpo from PSG if you want, like, a winger. Um, but Sadio Mane, let me remind everyone, just finished second in the Ballon d'Or. That's how good of a player Liverpool lost. The second best player in the world. What, what, you know, people don't like the Ballon d'Or anymore, but, um, and everybody wanted to act like it wasn't a big deal. Do you remember that? People were saying, oh, Sadio Mane's gone, but it's Liverpool. The- right. So you bring in Diaz, you bring in, um, Nunes. Yeah. We'll, we'll be fine. Yeah. It doesn't work like that. Um, Liverpool will be fine. They will be in top six, probably. Um, but I think it's just starting to slip. It's a long season, but there's a lot of cracks being shown in this in this Liverpool team. And this Nottingham Forest loss is just it's just adding to that to that list so far this season. So if I'm not uh, mistaken, isn't it Mo's last year on his contract as well, which was supposed to lead to contract negotiations and now he's underperforming you know what could that can what could that mean for the club i think no i think he just signed a three-year deal they i think they finished it this this summer i'm uh, pretty sure that? you might have I, like he he got the deal he wanted um and that was sort of a big deal and now he's come into the season and looked it, i mean he looks like he looks like a ghost he, he's not even on the pitch it seems like so not even the same mosala which really is the engine of that team um yeah, interesting time for Liverpool. Very interesting time. As much as an interesting time it is for Liverpool, it's an interesting time for your team, Aston Villa. <laughs> it's the it's the old manager bounce and boost, as they say. Villa comes out and scores three goals in what the first fifteen minutes of the game. Um, hello, 
Uh, Brandon, you obviously are the one that knows so much about it. What happened in this game? Is Wolves really just that bad as well? Um, you know, <laughs> Steven Gerrard was bad. Um, I think that's clear to say. You know, if you have a set of players who aren't taking to your style of play, but you know they can play a different style, um, why not switch? Um well, that's what happened on this day. <laughs> uh, Villa went into a 4-2-3-1, which suits all of their players. Uh, we played with link- wingers like Leon Bailey, who was probably my man of the match. Absolutely insane. Just great on the day. Um, played our two, you know, the pivot, as people like to call it, in those preferred positions, and Douglas Louise, who we just ex- uh, extended, and um, Den Donker, who we got from Wolves earlier in this or later in the summer, but, um, and they were outstanding together. I mean, absolutely amazing. We dropped John McGinn, who definitely needed a rest, dropped the young Jacob Ramsey, who definitely needed a rest. Um, and even Ollie Watkins got a goal sort of luckily, but got it. Danny Ings had two. Um, it just, it was good vibes around Villa park. I wish I was there (laughs) honestly, just to feel it. Like, I was watching the game by myself here and I was like, this cannot be happening. <laughs> it's like one of those things where you're just like, I've never seen Aston Villa play like this ever since following them. And it was insane to watch them play. Well, I don't know. And it's just well, crazy. It, like, what does that say about how bad Gerard was? You know, right. I, I, the new manager balance is a thing sort of, but it's like just football is a simple game made complicated by stupid people i think that's a saying um so i don't know it was it was relief on on my end well it's funny so all you sent was villa dot 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 as a text to steven and i and i'm just like oh it only gets worse apparently when you do fire your manager (laughs) and then i check in the game and up three nil i'm like oh my gosh uh (laughs) it did work and so they come in with a replacement and they get um, Unai Emery to come back to the Premier League. And what are you making of this uh, manager signing so far? You kind of predicted it a little bit. We talked about it, and you said this is the guy that you wanted to go out and get, and they did that. Yeah, I said Potch would be dreamland, but that was definitely not going to happen. Um, Unai Emery, I think he had a year left on his contract and a pretty cheap buyout at Villarreal, was a guy that I just felt like would suit Aston Villa. He plays a 4-2-3-1. Um, high intensity. He can also play a 4-4-2, which would also, our players would work in that formation. Um, I wanted this, I wanted to pull up a couple things because I, I was seeing some things on the timeline and people saying Unai Emery, it didn't really work out. You know, all these pundits who don't watch football, by the way. Now, how many pundits I see just say stuff because that's just the idea that they have? It's like, you obviously aren't watching games, but anyhow, that's a different thing. Unai Emery, when he was at Arsenal, 43 wins, 15 draws, 20 losses in all competitions. He finished one point outside of the top four in his only full season. By the way, that was 70-point season, so he finished fifth. Um, that was the club's best tally since 16-17, so it was really good. He also took them to their first European final since 05-06 that year. They lost that European final, but yeah, and he was fired after 18 months. Um, he has a 1.73 points per game in the Premier League, which is good. 
Um, Arteta's currently is 1.78 with a 21% higher average summer net spend than Unai Emery. I mean, and the, the list goes on. So that's him in the Premier League. Absolutely phenomenal coach. Um, will do the job for Aston Villa. Maybe he couldn't reach the heights of the top four, top six, that whatever. But again, he finished fifth. So I don't know what Arsenal was in a weird time. I don't know if you remember, but they are. Yeah, really no, I, I remember it. I remember that the the firing kind of being split opinions here and there. I feel like it was sort of yeah, Arsenal had zero identity, and they said, well, we'll just get rid of Unai and just kind of ride that wave and see what happens. Yeah. And I, I think I would agree with you saying it probably wasn't the right firing at that point for the club. Yeah, well, you know, it's working out for them now, but it's. Right. I think it's disrespectful to say like it didn't work well. I don't know. I think he was pretty. He did a pretty great job. Uh, I don't know how, how many other managers could say that they did that. So good for him. Um, and I'll wrap this up here. But he has four Europa League trophies. He's won it four times. One League One trophy, the Coupe de France, two Coupe de la Ligue, two. And Trophy de Champion, I think that might be French too. Um, European runners-up that I just mentioned, and he made the Champions League semifinals with Villarreal last season, if you remember. An incredible run, an incredible run with. I think they're they're a pretty small team, but have been made big by good coaching, um, and he's just he's created that beast of Villarreal. Um, making Juan Foyth, who you know, look like a really good center back. <laughs> um, just, you know, turning players are not done. Dan Juma, who played for, I think, Bournemouth or Watford a couple years ago when they got relegated, making him look like a really good winger, like doing the best with what he has. And I'm really, really excited to see what he can do with an actual good squad of players. And he'll get back in the transfer transfer window, I, I don't doubt. Um and then my last, my last thing, he's done the quadruple with the Villas. Um, <laughs> this is my favorite. I don't, I don't know if anybody saw this. He's coach David Villa. He's an old uh, Spanish player. Spanish, right? Yeah, he's Spanish. Uh, yeah, he coached at Sevilla. <laughs> he coached at Villarreal. And now he's coached at Aston Villa. So four Villas or Villas, however you want to say it. Um, so that's just a little fun. So someone said here that, at this rate next summer he'll be on love island in the villa <laughs> oh my gosh so you think yeah. he's aware of this you think he's aware of that set maybe and he's just doing well, it he probably knows and he's like this is interesting i've i love villas or villas <laughs> man, man of the people man of the man people, people but i will say what a signing to get him on board i think he's gonna do a great job hopefully you know there would have to be some patience, obviously growing pains and all that. But I think this is a long-term appointment. I really do. I think three years minimum. And and for Gerard, should we expect to hear or see him anytime soon in a new team? Not from what I've seen. Um, if I was him and I wanted to still be a head coach, I'd drop down the championship and try to test my wits there. Um his tactics were awful and just probably won't work in the premier league with any team unless maybe it's a top, top team, you know, top four, but he's not going to get that job. Um, yeah. He's going to have to prove himself. It's a, it's a tough time for him. I think this, this next job that he takes, if he takes it, he could be done. Um, I, 
I don't know. I wish him all the best though. He he was he was a stand up stand up guy, always honest. Um, but I don't I don't know. What do you think? It's hard to say because he had great success at Rangers, right? Um, yeah, pretty good. Success. Coming to Villa, you have eighteen months or something like that. I think however long it was, year and a half, not a year. Which is it's just like crazy how you're seeing such short appointments nowadays in the Premier League. The turnover is so quick; it's hard to really gauge, you know, the success of a manager, you know, his future off of such a short amount of time. Especially a young a young guy like Gerard, he's you know only a couple of years coming off his playing career such a short time as a manager i wouldn't call this like his end i wouldn't say like this was even a second chance like this was really his first foray into like a major major league and club you know not to say anything less about rangers but you know villa is a big step up from that as far as you know eyes on the club and Mm -hmm. what you're fighting for in the league so i wouldn't you know, say he's out and again, I, I don't know if his championship is where he needs to go. If he needs to just join a staff, you know, in the yeah. premier league, if he needs to join like a staff, you know, I don't know, like grand Potter staff at Chelsea, maybe I, I don't know. I'm just like spitballing, but that might be good for me. Obviously, you know, Arteta learned a lot under Guardiola and mm-hmm. now he's finding success at Arsenal right now. So maybe it's like just kind of taking some time again to rebound um, and maybe rethink the strategies for next time he's appointed as manager. But um, that's enough about Villa. I'm excited for mm-hmm. you, excited for Villa to hopefully get back on track. I know we had, at least you had lofty expectations at the beginning. You were mm-hmm. excited about Gerard, but things just kind of got stale in the end. And obviously him being ousted has brought a new opportunity for them to find a new identity under Unai Emery. Well, at talking about fresh managers that are on the hot seat, People coming with stakes and pitchforks. Leeds lose 3-2 against newly promoted Fulham. And Leeds have now been without a win over six matches. Um, we talked about Marsh last time and just how he continued to slide. Um, are your feelings changing even more after this 3-2 nil, sorry, 3-2 loss to Fulham? No, but from what I've been gathering, and I think it's my hunch was correct. Like he's he's on a short leash there. Um, at least with the fans and stuff. Like and it's, I think, because he's American, which is weird. But he's done a good job. He's made them okay. Um, again, I want to remind everybody, this team is full of championship players. Um, a lot of them, when they were with Bielsa, were playing out of their skin. Um, Marsh is getting them to play at a high level. And you and you can see it week in, week out. There's an identity, right? There's, there's all the things that you need especially to stay in the premier league. I don't know who's better out there. I mean, there's Pochettino, but he's, he's not going to come to Leeds if he's not going to go to, I mean, yeah, he's not going to go to Villa. He's not going to go to Leeds. Um, there's the sporting coach who's in champions league still. Um, I know we were linked with him, but I don't think he's going to go anywhere. Um, at least for the time being, maybe if they get kicked out of champions league in a couple weeks, but, um, I, I don't know where you would go if you fire him and you just hired him. I mean, he's been in the job less than a year, right? Um, so it's March. Yeah. So he, I still think he's not going anywhere. I think they'll finish the season. I know I said, I think they're probably going to go down, but if they do, he'll, he'll get fired They'll They'll find somebody probably, but um, they, they still look like a team at least. <laughs> uh, they still look like a team. I think he's, I think he's fine. Um, 
but yeah, gonna need to start getting some points and getting some wins. So yeah, because they had the big win over Chelsea. I think was that Tuchel's last game. Um, potentially it was when they won mm. and got him fired, maybe. Um, regardless, they haven't had a win since then. That was like at the end of August or first week of September. So it's been a long time since they've had a win. Um, just continuing their slide. So for me, I mentioned in last podcast, I don't want to belabor the point too much, but just the drama surrounding managers, like it's just too much. And I don't think he's actually under that much pressure, probably from his own club, you know, from the fans. Sure. But again, there's that inherent bias from British fans to American managers that they don't get enough time and credit for what they're doing with the team. And yeah, Leeds looks like a cohesive unit. That's how they play. That's, you know, that's one of the benefits of playing at Leeds is that they know that they're going to have, you know, looking like a team for 90 minutes so they know how to connect mm-hmm. with one another. So it's hard to pin that against Jesse Marsh. I don't think he'll be in the immediate danger, but again, they, their next game, they're going up to Liverpool and it's going to be uh, an interesting one because again, we just talked about how Liverpool came up that huge lots of Nottingham forest. They're probably going to want to try and sweep the floor with Leeds. Let's just say it goes four one in favor of Liverpool a lot of people are going to say, oh, Jesse Marsh out, Jesse Marsh out. But you're going to Anfield. You're playing against a very talented Liverpool team. They're not hot. They're not you know, streaking right now. They're kind of on the downward trajectory right now. So I would, I would be irked and kind of confused if he got the axe after this Liverpool game because there's really just not a whole lot you would think he could do at Anfield. Yeah, I'd be surprised too, but I think this is a perfect game for Leeds um, to step up. I know Jesse Marsh will have them ready, most likely. Um, and this this is the game that they live for. Those two styles, I mean, we saw it when, when Leeds would play uh, Man City, just how electric it was. They can bring that, and if they do bring that level with just just the talent part, <laughs> they can they can sprint and press all over the field but they need to have some class at the end of it and they need to, they, they need to take their chances against Liverpool. I think they could not easily, but I think they could win this game. Um, and again, Anfield it's, it's at Anfield. It's the, the 12th, 12th man, if you will, it's, it's a historic ground and the Liverpool players will be up for it. So it's it's not going to be easy, but if they can leave with a draw or even a win, which I think is definitely possible against this slipping Liverpool team, um, I think everybody will be back on the marsh. Oh man, what a masterclass that was! I can't believe it. it's like again we've talked about this, but some English fans are pretty fickle and have short term yeah. memory. So yeah, it'll be fine. Amnesia. Yeah, no, I think you're I think you're right on that one. But uh, Man City they went and cruised past Brighton three to one. Holland just continues to score goals. He's a machine. He's unstoppable. That's his 17th Premier League goal. If you have in <laughs> count. Um, I mean, it's just at this point, like it's just silly. Like, what are you supposed to do to stop him? I, you know, what what, uh, what were your takeaways from this game, Brandon? It's it's sort of what we said. Uh, I said it could have been like a rare Brighton, like terrible game, but it wasn't. Brighton still played well. They held a lot of possession. Um, they looked like a good Brighton team. Um, they did score one goal, but um, yeah, man, if they if they could score a couple more goals, they they could be in that top four mix. It's just 
and definitely top six, but they, they don't have it in them. And it's been sort of the, the crux of, of their team going, you know, to that next level. Um, but yeah, they still look good. Their new coach has them playing well still. And I think that's, that's a good thing for Brighton fans to take away the, the scoreline flatters Man City a little bit here, but um, yeah, Holland, Kevin De Bruyne, this team, I mean, but I think Holland is still uh, still on pace for 50, like five Premier League goals. It's insane. <laughs> I don't know. Man. He's at 17. He could be on he could be on 20 by the end of this this upcoming weekend um, if he wanted to. So they're they're playing Leicester. So I it's I don't know. I don't know. City's good. Holland's better. I think. <laughs> They really are. And it's crazy. Like Harry Kane scores again. He's at like 10 goals, which is crazy for this time of year, but it's just nothing compared yeah. to 17 with Holland. Like right. you, you literally can't compete with him. Um, Brighton kind of continued to stall since Graham Potter went to Chelsea. I mean, like you said, they're still playing well. It's just, it's hard to beat when you say those two names, Holland and De Bruyne, it's hard to beat those two and with any team. You could have the yeah. second best team in the world and they're still going to be, uh, just the best at linking up play and Holland is unstoppable in front of a goal. He literally pushed a defender to the ground practically yeah. with one of his goals. Just like you can't stop him. He's just a mountain of a man who's <laughs> he's a beast has a hunger for goals. Uh, there's really no way around it. Um, I think the game though that had the most eyes on it this weekend was Chelsea and man. You, this one was, a fair battle, an even battle. It came all the way down to the end of the 93rd minute. Uh, would you call this a fair result at 1-1? Or maybe yeah. even which I'll be happier with the draw? Oof. Uh, I think both will take it, especially where they're at in the table. And uh, again, we talked about it last last week in the last pod that they're both playing consistently well and they're finding their footing and finding their form going into this, this world cup, which is what they want, which is what you want. And a, a, a draw is definitely a fair result. I, I think it could have been zero, zero. I mean, Chelsea's goal was a penalty, which is questionable. Um, but yeah, one, one was a fair result. Both teams created a good amount of chances Casemiro's goal was amazing. The header, like off balance, falling down over Keppa. It was like, what was it? An inch maybe over the line, if that, but it's phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the penalty against McTominay for Broja. I mean, it's probably a foul. It's a little weak, potentially. Broja goes down decently easy, but McTominay does have him wrapped to an extent. So it's, I could see why the penalty was given. And yet Keppa unable to get enough of a hand on Casemiro's header and it just skims past the line. Yeah, it's yeah. a fair result. Um, yeah, Man United will be happy to take four points from Chelsea and Tottenham as they try and compete with the top four this season. Those are going to be really big points coming down the stretch. So definitely, yeah, if I'm a Man U fan, I'm definitely happy with that. Chelsea, they, they really haven't been slumping in themselves. So yeah, a point is really important, especially... Yeah, as we prepare for the World Cup, that break that's coming up in you know less than a month now. So wow. um, they'll be eager to get as many points as they can, and one is just enough to do that. Um, but speaking of Tottenham, uh, not doing enough themselves, uh, taking a little bit of a tumble 
the game before against Man United, and now twice they've done it in a row against Newcastle, where our guy from Atlanta United, from Paraguay to Atlanta to Newcastle, Miggy Amron continues to score. That's five goals in five games. Uh, his goal actually ended up being the eventual winner, but uh, it's just, you know, Hugo Lloris had a master class against Man United, although they lost. He still had a master class. Yeah, and Tottenham, Tottenham hadn't looked bad defensively, um, but we continue to struggle, you know, with our crossing. Uh, no really, like no real creative display, uh, just like looking Slacking. lackluster. Um, so, but anyways, to go to Lloris, uh, the first goal was a ball that he came out to the edge of the box, right outside of it. And so he couldn't use his hands. He chests it, and then Callum Wilson collides with them, even extends the hands out a bit, and has no foul called against Callum Wilson. Even VAR takes a look at this, but how did they miss this one, Brandon? Like, I feel like a lot of people have seen this and thought, yeah, that's a clear foul, but yet they decide not to call it. What was your thought on that? Yeah, and to fill everybody else in, Callum Wilson then grabs the ball and scores a goal yeah. <laughs> because Kepler's on the ground and can't get back into his goal. Um, yeah, it, it was a foul. I was confused when it happened and it wasn't given. You know, when we saw the Holland, you mentioned it earlier, Holland bodied this guy and it was like almost like a hip check. Like it was side to side. It wasn't from behind or, you know, colliding in the front. Um, and I thought it was fair. Like it wasn't a foul for one of Holland's goals. Now this one is completely different. Callum Wilson clearly impedes Hugo Lloris because Hugo Lloris is sort of acting like a player here almost. Chesting it, he could then run onto it and clear it if he needed to. Callum Wilson, I think, was the only Newcastle attacker like up there, like near near the box. So it would have been an easy clearance for Lloris or an easy pass out to a defender. But it turns into a hectic <laughs> like scramble back to the goal trying to Whatever, and it ends up in a goal. I, I don't know how VAR missed it. It's not even they, they missed it. They just didn't call it correctly. I mean, yeah, it, it was enough where they took a look. Like, they, they literally they took looked a look at, at it. it. Yeah. Which just shows you, like, inherently they're thinking, oh, yeah, that it's was probably so a foul. So Yeah. And I think it's enough to overturn it, obviously. Like, it's a clear and obvious foul. The goal happened because of the foul. It wouldn't yeah. have happened either, any other way. So, yeah. Oh, the VAR woes continue. Yep, they do. And and the Almiron goal, if you want to lay blame on Larice for the first goal, you know, whatever, all power to you. But the second one, also, he tries distributing the ball up the right side. Well, his left, Miguel's right, and Mickey steals it and then comes down, does some great dribbling, and then puts it past Larice for the winner. But yeah, just not his day, especially coming off that master class. Harry Kane gets a goal off a corner, flicks it on with the header, but just too little too late for Tottenham in the rain and North London. And yeah, we'll have some questions that uh, Conte will need to answer. People, again, mistakenly are coming for his head. Uh, really, this is just stupid, but Newcastle deserves a lot of the attention because they're all the way up into fourth place. Um, I knew, not knew, I was thinking that they could have some potential of reaching some new heights this year under Eddie Howe. Um, but they're in fourth. That's an incredible feat in itself, um, being almost in November and in fourth place. Uh, what does this performance show with them? Are they going to be able to sustain this throughout the rest of the season? 
This was a performance that you would hope Brighton would put in, right? You could, or they could put in, and I think they could. But like Spurs is no easy team to come to come and beat, and Newcastle did it. Like Newcastle earned that win. I think like they were better on the day overall, and like we've said, it's just I this Newcastle team is is for real. Isaac is out. Wait till they get Isaac back. They have three different style strikers that they can put in. They could change the formation however they want. Their team is tactically flexible. Eddie Howellington's looking like the forty million dollar man he was. Yeah, he's brought in as a striker, but now plays midfield and looks at like a monster. Uh, Miggy Almiron. They can all play in different positions. Um, Kieran Trippier will probably start for England in the World Cup. That's how yeah, well he he's should. playing. Um, it's it's a good team they're well assembled they have good backing wouldn't be surprised if they strengthen in the january transfer window either mbappe <laughs> i don't know about that but <laughs> like they're they're doing things well with a really good coach and i don't want to harp on it too much but they they've earned fourth place they didn't they didn't get there by accident they're picking yep. up draws they're not losing games um and they're beating teams that they're necessarily not supposed to. So good for Newcastle. It's fun to see, you know, that giant of a team be back up there and in a mix. And I think they'll be up there the rest of the season. It's a bold, bold call, bold call. But I, I do agree. I think that they will continue to compete. And these big six matchups will be um, their lifeline, whether it takes them out or it keeps them up. Um, they have to beat these big teams like they did Tottenham over the weekend. But the Premier League preview, we're looking at games like Brighton and Chelsea. Uh, Graham Potter getting to see his old club for the first time. Will the reunion be special or will it be a disaster? Um, thoughts on Graham Potter coming back to the Seagulls at the Amex? I don't know how they feel about Graham Potter at Brighton. Um, I haven't seen anything about that if they dislike him for moving on i don't know i, th I feel like if if you're a brighton fan you respect the move because he definitely earned it um and he's a top you know he's, he's not top class yet but he's definitely earned that and i think he's on his way to be top top so um but it's gonna be a great game I, this might be yeah i think this is our game of the weekend probably uh just One looking at the, the the other spread i think this is edges out to be the top but it's going to be a good one. I'll definitely be watching. Yeah, I if I'm a Brighton fan, you have to respect it. It's sort of like, and let's just compare it to like Freddie Freeman going from Atlanta to LA. It's like, <laughs> it's probably somewhat what he wanted, but it was hard to let go of like, you know, the past, like the kind of boyfriend-girlfriend relationship thing. It's like, they're in a better place now. I'm happy for them, but um, no, but it's, it'll be interesting to see. Um, I'm sure he'll probably come out on top in this one. Mm -hmm. um chelsea you know again like we talked about it's going to matter every single time they get on the pitch to get points and brighton um, will be a good test to see if they can do that um but you i know will be watching newcastle versus villa newcastle like we just talked about they're flying and villa mm -hmm. have <laughs> a new manager coming in so it's a rude awakening for sure for unai emery Coming all the he way. He won't be up. managing. He won't be managing yet. Oh, he won't be yet. Yeah, he'll be managing the next game after. Okay, yeah. 
that is good yeah, some sort of like yeah visa issue or something yeah interesting well then it's going to be even harder for villa um <laughs> having to so. go up to newcastle uh i would be scared if i'm a villa fan then wouldn't you be i don't know what to expect at this point um from them if they put in a performance like they did last week i just want to see them play with energy and play well and leave it all on the pitch like that's all i want so if they can do that, like they did this past week, and I'm not even saying win, but if they do that, they could win. Um, I think this is definitely a game that could help Villa jump up the table. It could give the team more hope. Um, I think it'll be a good game. Our, our last couple of matches, I don't have them in front of me, but have been v- pretty close against Newcastle. Um, so it's going to be good, but like like we just said, Newcastle's looking pretty solid so we'll, we'll definitely have to take our chances and you know the home crowd will be totally back in them after oh, they yeah. went to north london coming back up they'll be riding that way for sure so it'll be a real test for villa um you know test their wits and what they're made of that's for sure but really the other one we talked about earlier liverpool leads well jesse marsh do at anfield arsenal and nottingham forest arsenal Slipping just a little bit, uh, letting Man City catch up to them after they drop points the weekend. Uh, will Nottingham Forest be able to repeat uh, getting points against a top club? Will Arsenal rebound like they've done in the past after a loss and just blast a team into oblivion? And then Man United, West Ham. Uh, West Ham, as we recorded this today, they get the win as a Kurt Zuma goal at halftime um, puts them up 1-0. But Man United off their draw with Chelsea. Uh, that's one of the game that we could also talk about over the weekend being really important. Um, West Ham has struggled early on, but now they're sort of finding some form. And are we supposed to take them seriously against Man United, or is Man United going to come back and um, put them in the dirt? Uh, West Ham's always one of those hard teams to to break down and play against. Yep. One year they're in the relegation talk. One year they're close to the top four. You never know what you're going to get. You don't really know. And this year is one of those where I don't think anybody knows yet. Uh, they did win 2 nothing today off of a um, blatant handball um, for them in their goals in their goal scored. Um, so I don't know how VAR. That's another VAR conversation. Um, yes, it was a handball. It should not have been a goal. But um, I think West Ham... I don't know what to say. They did not look great tonight against uh, Bournemouth. They haven't looked great all season. Just sort of eh. And the way Man used playing, I could see them winning like 3 nothing. to be yeah. honest. Um, I could see them rolling over West Ham in this game. Is David Moyes kind of one of those managers that might be flying under the radar but probably should be on the hot seat? He's had a couple quotes come out recently. Um, I think he said something about sometimes all it takes is time. You're, you know, s- sort of like bashing everybody trying to fire managers and all of this. I'm like, I agree with you to an extent, but if if you coach like crap, <laughs> you're you're not going to have a job, right? So, uh, I think he's earned his keep there. I, I wouldn't want to get rid of him if I was a West Ham fan at this moment in time. But let's say in March they're at 16th, 17th. I think they might make a move for a new manager. Wow. 
no, I, I have to agree. I would think that he probably at that point has had his time. He has had plenty of time, had some investment, gotten to know his players plenty well, and would certainly be at that point deserving of that. Well, the Premier League isn't all that's happening before the World Cup. The Champions League is also in session. Match week five um, begins with Barcelona and Bayern. We mentioned this about how Barcelona is in a dire situation. They have to beat Bayern. They have to get points before this Champions League group stage is over. And they're going up against the hardest team to do that. So if you <laughs> and have Inter optimism, cannot get a point. <laughs> yeah, Inter can't get points here. If you have any optimism and hope as a Barcelona fan, I want what you have because I don't see the light at the end of the tunnel for Barcelona right now getting out of the group stage. Do you? No. No chance. Um they could have been eliminated against their last game versus Inter. Um, it was a crazy game towards the end. So go watch those highlights, actually. It was really fun. But no. Like if they if they lose here, like it's it's over. And I it's again, it's not in their hands. It doesn't matter necessarily what they do, it matters what Inter does. Um and I think Inter is playing Pleitzen, I think is their name, Pleitzen. Um that's an easy matchup <laughs> for Inter. But, you know, we say that now. Crazier things have happened. So I'll yep. leave it there. But, uh, yeah, no, not much hope for Barcelona. No. And I, you know, maybe if Bayern puts out a second team, but I just don't see Nagelsmann doing that. Um, it's Yeah, they have the second uh, Ballon d'Or ranked player in uh, Mane. So, yeah. <laughs> again, they have plenty of talent in Bayern and Munich. And so, yeah, Barcelona's in trouble. We keep ringing the bells. We keep pressing the emergency button that it's it's going to come to a bitter end sooner or later, yeah. um, especially this Champions League season. I just know it's not going to go well for them. But, hey, you know, Bayern fans, I want what you have. It, unless it's something illegal, I probably don't want it then. Um, RB Salzburg is taking on Chelsea. Uh I don't know what Chelsea's rank is currently in their group. I think they were sitting, is it second in their group or are they first right now? They're first right now on seven points. Salzburg is second with six. Yeah. Uh, and the group is pretty, pretty close. Milan, eight, and that's AC Milan, um, is in third with four. And Dynamo Zagreb is with four points as well. So it's still all Very to play deep. for in this yeah. group. Well, I've, if I'm thinking about it, uh, Chelsea, they're taking on Brighton over the weekend. So in the midweek you have Salzburg, maybe Graham Potter prioritizes this champions league game a little bit over Brighton. Uh, maybe gives a player to arrest against Brighton so that they can come out fresh against Salzburg. Cause again, mentally these clubs know how important champions league is. So with two games to go and that point spread being so close, I'm imagining Potter's going to look at the champions league as a priority over Brighton, at least for the weekend this go around yeah i think he'll play his strongest squad whatever that is um because again he, he can change his tactics whenever he wants he's just he's a good mind of the game so whatever they come out it'll be their strongest squad for that formation and those tactics um i think it'll be a good game i, I think they'll win as well um sort of pushing them up and keep keeping that first that first spot um but yeah, maybe we'll see Christian Pulisic start on the weekend because he's probably not going to start this game. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is a great point. Um, Benfica have the opportunity to put Juve to the death in their group stage match. 
Juve probably the biggest disappointment as for the big clubs this year, I would guess. I mean, Barcelona obviously is one, but Juve struggling not only in the league, but also in the Champions League. Benfica can do that with this game and eliminate them from round of 16 contention. Uh, Benfica had a really great run, I think the past two seasons in Champions League, and will again look to advance to the round of 16 with a victory or a point over Juve. Yeah, and I think they'll get it. Juve has not been looking good, pretty inconsistent. Allegri will be gone soon, and I think Poch, like we've said, or Tuchel, um, will take that Juventus job right away. Um, yeah, sorry, Juve. Not this year. Not this year. And then in Group D with Tottenham, Frankfurt, Marseille, and Sporting, a lot to play for in that one as well. Frankfurt is at home against Marseille. Tottenham is at home against Sporting. Um, Tottenham desperately needs a win uh, just to make sure they can be safe going into the round of 16. They did lose to Sporting 2-0. That one was late as well, two really late goals um, mm-hmm. in Portugal that um, disappointed a lot of Tottenham fans just because they had just absorbed all this pressure the entire game. And then a really good Marcus Edwards goal, um, I think it was a header as well, that um, made Tottenham bite the dust that day. But uh, Frankfurt-Marseille, probably the best thing Tottenham could hope for is a draw between the two, if in a win for themselves to just increase their lead. But yeah, Sporting, um, as you mentioned earlier, they're going to want to stay in the Champions League. Marseille, all these teams are fighting for that top spot still with only two games left. So really, really important for Group D to get results. And who would you pick as the top two advancing from this group? Uh, Tottenham, because I'll stick with, I think they're going to get the semifinals this year. I think they're built for it. Uh, But they haven't really shown it. You know, they've been sort of in that range of good to eh. (laughs) Uh, They haven't really shown their greatness thus far this season. Um, They do have a couple injuries, key injuries, but they, they, even though Tottenham has left it to the last day before, I don't think anybody will say, oh yeah, we want to leave it to the the last day. I'm sure you've had some, some nightmares about some of those games and maybe not nightmares because they ended up being good, but um, they were nightmares at the time. Yeah. Nightmares going into them. But yeah, I think if, you know, Tottenham wins this game, which I think they need to, um, then the, it's, you know, it's in their destiny, you know, like the destiny's in their hands and they, they'll go through. Um, so I think they're really highlighting this game, going to play a strong squad and go for it. Cause like you said, it's, it's all to play for. I'll guess Tottenham and I still think sporting will make it. Sporting's been pretty good. Um, I think Tottenham and sporting will, will go through and, um, their head coach um, won't get picked off just yet. So probably for that to happen, they would need a draw between Marseille and Frankfurt. Obviously, and then they, win just, last right? Yeah, that would probably the best be the best way they can get in. Um, unless, of course, beating Tottenham, but I don't want that to happen. Uh, we're not going to talk about that. So I'm hoping, <laughs> yeah, a lot of people are hoping that potentially, you know, the injuries to Richarlison and Kulusevski really hurt a lot of those plans, but maybe somehow. There's some post-World Cup magic coming Tottenham's way. Um, just getting some healthy players. We'll hopefully see that turn of form come, but maybe it starts this week against Sporting. That remains to be seen. Um, but, hey, that's been pretty much everything from the Champions League. MLS, Cups, MLS Cup 
has been going on. The Philadelphia Union are in the Eastern Conference Final against NYCFC. The Union played a great game, as we mentioned, and NYC beat Montreal. LAFC get a dramatic win in El Trafico against the Galaxy, winning 3-2 with a late, 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 late goal in the 92nd <laughs> minute, I believe. Uh, just what an incredible finish to an El Trafico matchup that never ceases to bring great entertainment. Oh, never. Yeah. Um, and then Austin FC, they beat Dallas 2-1, getting two quick-fire goals, and they uh, hold off their fellow Texans. But two really solid matchups. You have the reigning... Um, MLS Cup champion in NYCFC. This is a rematch of the Eastern Conference last year. And then the two, I guess LACs, they're kind of been around the block now, but the second year. Supporter um, Shield. They are the Supporter Shield winners. And then, yeah, the second year, um, Austin FC. So I think this is actually, I really like the Western Conference matchup a lot. I really like watching both teams play. They're a lot of fun, a lot of firepower, just. Mm-hmm. They're going to bring it at you each time. I want Austin FC to beat MLS Cup champions. That's my pick just in general. Um, And I think it'd be fun for the Union. They've been playing really good football for a couple of years now. Um, They're kind of one of those teams that deserves an MLS Cup. Um, What's his name? It's Jim Curtin, right? Curtin. Curtin. He has um, done pretty well with the Union. They've been at the top of the table a couple of times. And this might be their year. I think if Union, Austin FC, MLS Cup Championship would be a really entertaining one. And I would hope that Austin would come on top. Do you have any feelings one way or another? I think I said I want Union to win. I'll stick with that. Um, definitely don't want New York to win. Um, but the the other two, the LAFC versus Austin, I mean, what a matchup. This is what mm-hmm. we wanted. Austin got the best of them during this, this season. Um, where LAFC did not look good. Um, LAFC is going to want to make that right. So there's a lot, you know, a lot of storylines coming into this game and not to mention it's, it's a semifinal <laughs> to go into the finals. So, wow. Um, see, this is where I wish we still had two legs. Um, right. I'm, a, I'm a fan of the two leg system, but it's all to play for here. I, I, I'm assuming, I think it's going to be at LA, obviously, because they were the one seed, right? Um, and it should be at Union as well. Yeah. So I don't know how to predict that LAFC game one way or another. <laughs> I don't know, but it's going to be fun. Like, it, you should watch it. If you've never watched MLS before, this will be a great game to watch. It's going to be hectic. There's going to be goals. The crowd's going to be loud. Yep. It's very, very fun. It's going to be loud. Steve Shrindolo and his first year at LAFC went into Porsche. Like, that's a big deal. Like, that yeah. doesn't just happen. They were at one point on pace to try and break the points record. They obviously fell short just a little bit, but no, it's going to be entertaining. Of course, LA, um, the stars will be out there. It'll be shining bright, and we'll see who comes out on top in MLS. We'll keep you updated here on The Bad Fan, as we always do, um, whether it be the World Series coming up, MLS Cup, Champions League, and the Premier League often as we do check in on the bad fan for more. Um, that about wraps things up today, I would say, on the bad fan. Um, continue to support our coverage of those things I just mentioned by leaving a like in the channel, subscribing to the channel, or leaving a comment with predictions of your favorite matchups and games and what you want to see us talk about next. Um, if you do want to stay updated on those things, click the bell below the video. That way you're always notified of the newest posts from the bad fan. Um, yeah. 
But last but not least, always find us on Instagram and Twitter at The Bad Fan. We'd love to see you there as well. You can find any links to where you need to find it in the description below. But I've been Cole Carter. He has been Brandon Pasnick. And we'll hopefully soon see our best friend, Stephen Curl, next time. But hey, for today, peace out, you guys. Enjoy some soccer. Enjoy some baseball. And we'll see you next time. Peace out.